What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing, man? This is your boy Harrison with a brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. I'm so happy to be back for another week. If everybody, um, everybody that's joining me, please do me a favor. If you're listening to this on one of the video platforms, if you're on YouTube, if you're watching one of the clips I post on Twitter or Instagram, please like the video, share the video, share the video. If you're listening to it on one of the digital platforms, um, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to your digital information, please leave a review. Leave a review. A review on the show helps the algorithms in a positive manner, just making sure more people um, get an understanding of what we're doing. So this is your first time listening to the show. This is the Melanated Combo podcast where we have conversations with people in our community meant to inspire us, meant to move us in the next generation. Sometimes this could be about relationships. Sometimes we talk about finance. Sometimes we talk about police brutality. All of the ills that we go that we have to deal with in our community. It's important to me that we have the conversation because sometimes that's the difference between getting a clear understanding of what's going on and being confused about the situation. It's just having the proper conversation family. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, I have special guests in the building. This is the first time that I've had guests of this magnitude. Um, we, we have Jerome Sapp in the building, who is the creator of Rares, who is like a, um, it's an initiative. It's a, um, um um sneaker initiative he's starting a a a it's like a stock in a rare um um yeezy that he purchased just an extremely interesting brother ex-nfl player as well and we have Lorene pendleton who is um from the rising america fund who helped fund what the brother's doing so we're going to have a great conversation with them both now we we all understand how important if you black just let, let's just keep it real we understand how important shoes are to us. We understand how um, um, growing up in a place where maybe you didn't have as much resources and you didn't live in an environment that had many resources, tennis shoes and how our shoes look meant a lot to us. But this brother is creating a way for you to actually invest in a rare Yeezy shoe that's worth like $1.8 million. This, this is just blowing my mind, man, the way where technology has went and how you can create generational wealth for your family through like technology-based initiatives is amazing. And, and we need to be a part of it. Like we need to be aware of what's out there. You know what I mean? A lot of us understand if you work a job, you can, you can have a 401k. That's one way of securing your family's future. You can buy a home. That's one way of securing your family's future. Investing in stocks on your own. We all are aware of this. But when we talk about the different types of technology and the cryptocurrency and the NFTs and all of these things based on technology, let's ease our way into getting an understanding of how this works, too, because some of us can use these things as a form of empowerment for our family as well. So I'm excited, family. Let's get everything going like we do on the show. The first things first. We're going to talk about our black businesses. In my opinion, the health of our community depends on how we spend our money. We spend our money with a lot of people outside of our community. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that at all, but it's important that we try to circumvent some of them funds back to our community. If we look at Black Wall Street, if we look at all these incredible endeavors that we've been able to do in history, um, a lot of it was just based on unifying. A lot of it was just based on I need to buy something. Before I just spend my money with anyone, I'm going to check who sells said thing in our community. Now, I think it's important that we 
uh, uh, support qualified black businesses, right? I don't want you giving your hard-earned money to someone who is a professional or someone who hasn't done their due diligence about how they run their business correctly. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of qualified black businesses out there. And I want to talk about them. You feel me? So let's get it going, man. The first black business. This is a brother that I've spoke about before. Um, he's a radio host. He's a relationship coach. Let me see here. Let me make sure I'm showing my full screen because I want to show what the brother is doing. This is a brother of mine named Zoe Williams, right? Zoe Williams wrote this book um, um, maybe a year ago called The Shrouded, Light the Shrouded Lighthouse is the name of the actual book. This is maybe his third book, right? The reason why I'm so intrigued, and I'll show you the book here in a minute. I have it in my hand. The reason why I'm so intrigued by his writing and, and just how he speaks to our community, because he understands that relationships is like the cornerstone to us creating um um, everything we need in our community when it comes to two parent homes, when it comes to great relationships with your kids, when it comes to a great relationship with your woman, he understands the importance of creating the right type of relationship. So let me just read you a little bit about the book. And again, it's The Shrouded Lighthouse in the book, The Shrouded Lighthouse, how to discover the silver lining in any situation shift. Zoe Williams says that basically every person you meet can be a symbolic holographic lighthouse made of visible or invisible light the visible and the invisible light or shadow lights are powerful uh, are powerfully drawn into one another the potentially unchecked growth of spiritual anthropy is a process that Zoe describes as unclaimed and un unhealed trauma and see that's important to me because if you black in america not all of us right I'm not speaking in absolutes but a lot of us come from environments and come from situations where there was trauma around right you had a mother on drugs you had a father who wasn't there you had a father who was abusive in any type of way there's just a lot of things that we've been through and we don't get counseling let's just keep it real like we should we we don't get counseling a lot of the times we normalize the trauma and the things that we go through in our homes, in our community. And that's not right, family. It's okay to say, I don't know everything. It's okay to say, I may need to read some literature to get a better handle of how I treat my son or how I treat my wife or my mom or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Like we, we, especially everything we have to go through in this country, if you unpack all of these things, including what you've been through in your personal family i mean this can be overwhelming right so let's not be afraid to seek help in any form that we think we should because if not then you may become toxic to the people around you and that's not going to be beneficial as well right so the shrouded like the shrouded lighthouse you can go to amazon he had it on his website but now you can just go to amazon to buy it let me show you the book here i have it see i have the book right here I walk it how I talk it. You know what I mean? I just gonna tell you to get something that I'm not gonna be a part of myself. So that's the Shrouded Lighthouse. You can go, you can go get it on Amazon. I've read maybe one and a half chapters already. Really good stuff, really good stuff. And a lot of times it's just based on getting to know who you are, right? Before you can make someone else happy, before you can fully engage in any endeavor, in my opinion, you have to be well-rounded in who you are as a person. Learn your triggers, learn what you're good at, learn what you're not good at so you can make the necessary improvements. And regardless of how old you are, we should all be still seeking to make improvements, right? So the Shrouded Lighthouse family, I'm excited. I'm ready to get to my interview, but check it out. One more clothing line, right? Because I am, let me see here. Hold on one second. Excuse me. I am a big fan of hip hop. I don't like um, where the music goes at times, right? I'm 41 years old, so I'm not going to act like I'm not affected by 
enjoying a genre of music where the participants die frequently. I mean, that's that's shouldn't be normalized at all. But I can't front. I mean, I grew up in the hip hop era. I love metaphors. I love wordplay. I love young black men being able to tell their stories. And sometimes some of these young black men create businesses. So I try to use my platform to talk about the things they're doing that are a little more productive, right? So this is a rapper out of, I'm in California, everybody. I'm in Sacramento, California. This is a rapper out of the Bay Area. Jay Stalin is his name, but I appreciate his work. Um, but he has a clothing line that I want to tell everybody about, right? I mean, besides from just uh, making music, he has a clothing line in a store. And this is just a person that I've watched evolve from more or less a street guy trying to figure it out to a full-blown artist and businessman this is what we need to get to right when we look at a lot of the young men in our community when we even go back to the tupacs and the biggies and how far you want to go back sometimes they just weren't allowed to make the necessary mistakes to get to a point where they can be entrepreneurs to get to the point where they can be like positive contributors to society right if you're 25 26 years old especially coming from our community, you may not have a handle on life. You may not have a handle on which way you should go with things. And if your feet are held to the fire at that time, you may put yourself in a position where you put yourself in a situation that you can't come back from. Right. So I appreciate these young men who take their money and their resources and do things to help their family. So this is live. I say all that to say this is live wire clothing store because he has his own record label live wire uh, live wire records which i appreciate because again they you know it is hip-hop music sometimes the music goes to a place that i'm not too comfortable with but i try to look at the positives he has his own record label he has his own clothing line so this is so this is a big thing to me this is a this is a different way to create generational wealth we're going to talk to my guest here in a minute they are creating a a lane based in technology and in sneakers that can help us create generational wealth but there's a lot of ways to do it you know what i mean i'm i'm all for it regardless of your walk of life if you want to contribute positively to our movement to liberating black people i'm all for it and starting your own business whether you know it or not is a way to begin liberating black people so i think we should support right if you're a fan of hip-hop artists and let's say you just have the streaming service right like i do you're not necessarily going out and buying the albums as much as we used to. That's fine. Figure out what else they sell. Figure out if they have a different business or a different revenue stream that they've created for themselves. And if they do, you know, support, 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 support. We do a lot of sharing on social media. We do a lot of talking about what black folks need. What we need is everybody to support. Right. And like I always say, if you have a black business that needs advertisement right now, the advertisement is free. You can send me an email to um, Melanated Convo Pod, Melanated Convo Pod at Gmail. If I'm sharing businesses that you um, um, are not familiar with or you don't like, per se, send me some other ones. We'll talk about it regardless of what they say. As long as it's professional, long as it's respectable. We need to support our people. You know what I mean? And again, like I said, I can't I'm I'm a, a, a lover of hip hop. And again, you know, lately and over the past several years, it, it has gone into a direction that I'm not too fond of to a degree. But I still love the art form. I love the young men who come from nothing and create um, generational wealth for their families. Right. So that is it for the black businesses. So let me bring my two guests on. I am really excited. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How about you, man? 
Good, good, good. Good to have you on. So again, we have Jerome Sapp, who is an ex-NFL player, and he's the creator of Rares, the sneaker platform we're going to talk about right now, and Laureen Pendleton. Pendleton, yeah. Yes, who is um, one of the creators of the Rising America Fund. And we're going to get into everything her company does and how they connect it and, you know, just have a great conversation. So first thing I wanted to ask you, Jerome, like um, how many years did you play in the NFL? I played six years in the NFL. And mm -hmm. I, I feel every bit of it now, man. But <laughs> I bet. I, I'd do it all over again if the opportunity presented itself. Um, so mm -hmm. I played six years. I played roughly three years with the Baltimore Ravens and three years with the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, in between that time, I actually got my MBA at Harvard Business School in the off-seasons, which is where wow. the concept of rares actually came from. Wow. Wow. So, okay. How important was it for you to know because I'm sure, well, let me ask this. Growing up as a kid playing football, was it your dream to make it to the NFL? It was. By the time I was 10 or 11, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And okay. I knew that literally my brother and I, my brother's 13 months older than me. So mm -hmm. we promised ourselves. Our dad was in prison. My mom raised me. We're from the Fifth Ward of Houston. So we promised ourselves one of us would make it. And mm -hmm. If if it, if my brother made it, I'd support him. If I made it, he support me. We mm -hmm. both made it. We support each other. But by the time I was about ten or eleven, I knew I knew I was going to play in the NFL. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, you mentioned going back to school. Now, how important was that piece? Because, like we spoke about before we started, um, unfortunately, a lot of athletes put all of their eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So when they retire, or you know, they're so involved with the day-to-day -day process of being an athlete that sometimes they don't think about things outside of it what yep. gave you the idea or what made you say you know what i love this game and this is what i want to do for my life but i understand the shelf life of an nba or an nfl player so i'm yep. going to put some things in place to make sure i have a career after this you know that's a great question and i talked to a lot of young athletes about that because it's on one hand if you're not all in and 100% committed to your dream of being a professional athlete, you'll never make it. And a lot of times that involves not having a plan B, not mentally thinking there's another option. You got to be all in or, or, or you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, you got to be realistic about life and father time. You know, father time is undefeated and our bodies are deteriorating, deteriorating assets. So I knew at a certain point my body wouldn't be able to keep up with the way I played the game. I was a safety and I loved to hit. I loved the contact. I loved it. And I knew if I continued to play that way, at some point my body would deteriorate because my body was deteriorating anyway. I mean, we're human. So I knew it. I needed to start educating my mind more because my mind would last me to the end of time until I leave this earth. Um, but the act, the literally the exact moment I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to school because I already had a finance degree from University of Notre Dame. Um, hmm. But I told myself I'm going to go back to school and improve my personal brand. Actually, the day I got cut by the Baltimore Ravens, I remember sitting at home thinking, you know, I knew I was a disposable asset as an athlete. All athletes are, you know, yep. they, they, they pick you and then they, they, you know, cut you and they choose another place. That's part of the game. That's the business side of it. But when they actually when you first experience that business side of it as of being a disposable asset that literally changes your mindset. You go from being this, this kind of naive rookie kind of coming out of college thinking you're going to be here with the same guys your whole career 
to understanding, man, this is a business and that, that's not the reality. So the more you can improve your personal brand, the better off you'll be not only in sports, but after sports. So the day I got cut by the Ravens going into my, my second year, I applied for Harvard Business School. And it, it obviously it's a, it's a process, but that's what triggered me into saying, OK, I want to educate myself more to prepare myself when this game ends. Got it. Got it. Now, um, just for all of my listeners, um, please just give us a breakdown of what is rares exactly. You know, that's a good question. So rares, rares is the first SEC qualified, meaning we're actually regulated by the SEC, the same governing body that regulates the stock market. Uh, it's the first SEC qualified marketplace that allows you to actually make real investments in collectible sneakers. Hmm. Um, so the way you do that is we allow you to own fractional ownership in a sneaker. So the sneaker industry is a, is a booming industry. It's $80 billion now and it's projected to grow to $126 billion by the year 2026. Um, but the, co- the cool part about it is sneakers are the, the kind of the rock star alternative asset class, meaning they've appreciated faster than gold. They've appreciated faster than the S&P 500, but no one's ever turned them into a security that you can actually make investments into. So here's what I mean by that. What we do is we take a sneaker um, and we usually deal with sneakers that are five, ten thousand dollars or higher. Um, literally shoes that most people couldn't afford if, if they were just to go out and, and find that sneaker, if they were able to find it. All of our sneakers, as I mentioned, are collectible sneakers, meaning they're the rarest of the rare, the, the stuff that Nike may have only made one of or two of, mm-hmm. uh, which creates scarcity, which drives the value in it. But we take that sneaker, we split it into thousands of virtual shares with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and we allow people to actually buy shares in that shoe. Um, So just like any other stock in a company, when that company's value rises, so do the shares that you own in that. So do the value of the shares you own in that company. It's no different with rares. When the value of the sneaker appreciates, and most of the sneakers we deal with appreciate, I have to say most of because... I can't give any guarantees because we're regulated by the SEC, Um, but presumably that sneaker will appreciate in value. And so do the shares you own in that sneaker. So essentially we're allowing people to make money off a shoe that they never even have to physically own. And it's all regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Got it. Got it. And you guys launched at ComplexCon November 6th. Is that correct? Uh, we, 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 we had a relaunch of sorts. So we launched, we we acquired the, uh, the Yeezy One prototype which Mm -hmm. Kanye West wore at the 2008 Grammy Awards. Um, And that sneaker, there's a lot of important facts around that sneaker, why it it makes it so unique, why it makes it so valuable. But that sneaker is worth $1.8 million. So Mm -hmm. we launched the IPO. So we have actual real IPOs, initial public offerings on the Rares platform. We built literally a stock market for sneakers. So at ComplexCon, we launched November 6th, as you just mentioned, we dropped the IPO and allowed people to buy shares in that sneaker for $25 a share. So the, the, the concept around that was that sneaker was going from rich collector to rich collector to museum. And my thing is the communities and cultures that made that sneaker what it is, made it valuable, made it popular, um, should have a chance to own a piece of it. And, rep, and, and, and literally reap the benefit of that sneaker, presumably appreciating over time, which you know, like I said, I can't give any guarantees because we're regulated by the, the SEC, but that sneaker will presumably appreciate. So giving people the, the ability to own pieces of it, shares in it, and not only own shares in it, a piece of history, that sneaker is a sneaker that catapulted Kanye West's 
billion dollar sneaker in, in fashion industry. That sneaker yeah. right there. So yeah. people can own a piece of it for $25 a share. And that's what we launched at ComplexCon. Yep. Got it. Got it. Now, Lorene, I have a question for you. So you're with the Rising America Fund. Tell everybody how the two came together. Tell me what, like, what's your role in all of this? Sure. So I'm a VC, so I invest in uh, companies. Uh, my fund is led by uh, myself and four other women, which is pretty rare to have a VC firm mm -hmm. run by women. But then also we're all black and Latina. So that's also very rare. Mm -hmm. um, something like I think 95, 90, maybe 91% of VC funds are led by white men. Um, so we're an anomaly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, not a lot of VC funding goes to black-led companies. Only 1% goes to black-led companies. So how I heard about, so part of what I do is, um, you know, people invest in my fund. Um, we go out and find really great companies like Rares and what Jerome is doing. And so um, I know one of his investors who invested in, um, you know, um, his previous round. Um, and, uh, you know, she, he was, he was raising more money. Um, I was invited to a virtual pitch which I joined, it was a summer sometime, I forget, and immediately, um, well, actually sent out the invitation describing rares. And I saw that, I said, wow, this is a really cool concept. Mm -hmm. And I saw him pitch and I immediately got what they were doing, understood what they're doing. So think of it as um, they're creating an asset class for sneakers. So as much as you think of equity, you can buy stocks uh, for publicly traded companies, you can buy real estate, that's an asset class. Mm -hmm. Real estate, art is an asset class. Um, these are what he's doing is alternative asset classes. Um, and that's how people derive wealth in this country is by investing. And so I immediately got it. I said, this is great. Um, he had already gone through the whole regulatory process with the SEC and all of that. And just thought it was really brilliant idea. Love Jerome, um, as an entrepreneur, one of the things that I look for when I'm investing is, you know, does this entrepreneur have the ability to pull this off? I mean, I'm investing money. Um, I want to make sure that I mitigate the risk. There are people who believe in me who are investing in my fund. And so I want to find great entrepreneurs to invest in. I was just really impressed with with Jerome. You know, obviously, he's incredibly disciplined. He's an executor. He's been a professional NFL player. You know, very rare to get to that point. I think it's something like one in 12,000 people end up being professional um, you know, players. Um, so just he's in a rarefied, you know, world and, you know, just was really impressed with him and I loved the idea. And so, um, you know, he pitched to my partners, uh, we did due diligence, you know, and then we ended up investing and I'm just really happy to be a part of, you know, part of this real story. I think it's an incredible company. I think it's an incredible concept. Got it. Got it. Now I actually had another question for you being that your company, it's like you just mentioned, all black women and Latina women, which I love mm -hmm. to hear. That's just a beautiful thing to me. What are some of the challenges you guys have had to face? Being in an industry like so many of the industries we wish to partake in are pretty much dominated by people who don't look like us. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, this is our, our second fund. We launched a fund right before the pandemic, uh, you know, t t two years ago in October. It's just actually just over two years ago. We launched it in 2019. Uh, raised a couple of million and then the pandemic hit and then we kind of, you know, the world shut down in a way for everyone. And then we um, got a lot of interest in our fund after George Floyd and people realizing the economic mm. uh, economic uh, inequality. Um, and then if you do a deeper dive, as I mentioned, only VC dollars, only 1% of all VC dollars goes to black founders. 
And, now, you know, now real and quick, so, tell, mm-hmm. tell everybody, what is VC? Oh, I'm sorry, venture capital. Okay, so yeah. think about, so Uber, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Uber. Before Uber became a publicly traded company, which it is now, you know, the founder of the company, Travis, had to raise money from people. You know, he probably put some of his money in to develop it, but then had to go out and raise money from uh, investors. It could be first mm-hmm. initially angel investors. These are wealthy people or high net worth people who have money that can, can invest. They get part of equity in that company. Then eventually, as your company grows, you then take on money from venture capitalists. And so, you know, like what Jerome has done, you know, they raised, um, you know, several million. Um, and so, but the people who are making those investment decisions don't look like me. Um, you know, first they're not, most of them aren't women and they're not black. <laughs> We're, I mean, very few black VCs in this country. And yet you think about it, it's so important. So if Uber had not raised all that money, they would not be public now and they may not even be in existence. So it's so important. Um, the innovation in this country or even globally, but let's talk about this country is controlled by a segment of people that don't look like us. And so for me, um, you know, I started angel investing eight years ago and I said I had make more investing my own money, but I can make more of an impact if I create a fund and then I can write bigger check sizes and help those entrepreneurs. And so what we say is we're not only just writing a cap, a check, we believe in, I say the three C's of capital. So financial capital, write the check, but then also, also social capital. So working with Jerome and other founders, how can we help you? For instance, you know, we have a PR person who got us on here to meet with you and, you know, any kind of connections I have, I want to help Jerome and Rares and all the other companies I've invested in. And then human capital, you know, um, we have investors ourselves, you know, I'm a former attorney, um, you know, business development executive in a number of big companies. And, you know, there may be an area that I can help that company, um, you know, as well, just my expertise. So there are also people invested in my funds. We have some very prominent people who invested in our fund who are highly successful. And so we can actually, you know, those companies have access to our network. And that's really important because a lot of black founders can be so smart. You know, we're innovative as people. We've had to be. Mm-hmm. But yet they don't have the network that, you know, someone who is white, um, someone who comes from money, you know, don't have that network. So, you know, Part of what we do is not only just write the check, but also we feel like you're part of our family. We're going to try to help you as much as possible and make you successful. That's just a beautiful thing. That's just a beautiful thing. And I love to have. I'm sorry, Jerome, are you going to say something? Uh, Yeah, I was going to piggyback on what Laureen said. I mean, it's so important to have investors that look like her and I. And, you know, I say it all the time, but I I just appreciate Laureen for believing in us from the moment she heard me talk about it. But. You know, I pitched this idea four years ago in the Silicon Valley to all mm. white white males, and mm. none of them got it. None of them. I was told mm. no 87 times, literally. I started counting after, I think, 46. And I knew I had something, but also knew I had to realize I wasn't talking to the right demographic because none of them ever purchased an Air Jordan. None mm-hmm. of them ever knew mm-hmm. the value, how when you put on an Air Jordan, it was more than just a tennis shoe. It was oh, a sense man. of identity and pride mm. and success. And none of them ever knew that from an intrinsic cultural level. So at a certain point, I stopped pitching because none of them got it. And I saved up for two years, my wife and I. And that's how we got the company going to the point where we can we build a prototype that we can show to Lorene and, and other of our investors like like Marlon Nichols, who's our lead investor, a, a black led VC to show them. But it wasn't from the Silicon Valley. It was from people like Lorene who believed in us from the jump, you know. Um, so I think that representation is so important because, as you mentioned, 
Black people have been in, innovative and ingenious and different things for so long. But if you don't have the network and the capital, who cares, right? And the yeah. big picture, like so many people live and die with amazing ideas, but they never get them out because they don't have the channel to get them out. Mm -hmm. And you know, having black VCs like Lorraine um, believe in founders like myself is is what's changing the tide of this investment world and this entrepreneurial world. And I think you know, there's more to come because there's more black VCs coming by the day too. Well, it's funny as as I hear you guys talk, I'm sitting here thinking because a part of my platform, the Melody Convo YouTube channel, I do a lot about history. I talk a lot about people from history because it's important to me that we identify with with the greatness like you guys are speaking to. And some people aren't aware of the specific stories of the people who've had to come before us, who had to take a, they had to take a lot of hell just yep. to get us to where we are now. And listening to you guys talk, just to be honest, you guys are actually doing the same thing. Like your company's called Rares, but it seems like what you're doing is extremely rare as well. And hopefully it's the beginning of something special. Now, Jerome, how important is it for you being an ex-athlete who, to me, going to Harvard, I mean, you that's to me, that's making smart cool. And mm -hmm. all too often, like I was just talking about hip hop a few minutes ago, we mm -hmm. idolize the wrong type of figures in our community and certain type of things get highlighted, whether it be athletics or or rappers or some form of an entertainer. How important was it for you to go back to school just to show not just yourself, but every all of us that, OK, I can be an athlete. I can be this big, massive man, but I yeah. value learning. I I value evolving my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it was extremely important. You know, one, you know, on a personal level to show my mom and give my mom gratitude, you know, the, the thank you that she deserved raising me, my brother, my sister, you know, during the time that she raised us with not any resources, um, showing her that I appreciated everything she did for me. And I'm still appreciating it by furthering the man that she created. I'm further educating this man. But more importantly, you know, you're right. You know, we grow up and we can't help who we idolize sometimes growing mm -hmm. up. in the hood. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, the dope boys sometimes were the coolest ones. You know, I always mm -hmm. say the dope boys had the biggest hearts. And back mm -hmm. then, the dope boys allowed me to pursue my sports career without hindering me because they recognized that I had a talent and they kept me, they kept my nose clean. They said, man, this ain't the path for you. You go do sports basically. And I looked up to them for that. You know what I'm saying? But I think seeing young black men, you know, do other things like go, go to Harvard or play in the NFL or become engineers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that creates another path or avenue to look up to other people through another lens in which we can respect and appreciate people who look like us through. So mm -hmm. it was important for me. Um, I knew I'd have kids one day. Fortunately, I mean, I had two. I have two boys now. Being able to show them that not only do I have a degree from Notre Dame, not only was I an NFL captain, but oh by the way, I also went to Harvard. You know what I'm saying? Like just to show them that these things are tangible in life. That the you know there's not some mythical thing like that only happens to them over there. It's like, no, if you work hard enough, you can do anything you want to do if mm -hmm. you work hard enough. You know, mm -hmm. it was important for me to be able to show the, my kids eventually when I had them that you can do this. But also when I go talk to young men in, in schools and community centers to show them that there's more than one path in life. You know, I was fortunate enough to not only be an athlete, but also get an MBA at Harvard, but also be an entrepreneur. Um, and I can show them direct steps that I took to achieve each one of those things, you know. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, it was very important for me to be able to achieve that. Um, and that discipline, you know, you know, discipline is doing the things you don't want to do anyway type thing. 
that discipline has allowed me to become the entrepreneur that I that I think that I am, you know, that I, that I think Laureen invested in, um, doing the things that I don't want to do, um, dotting the T, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, making sure that my team is always on point, making sure I'm always on point with the team. But more importantly, being able to educate the community. You know, one thing about Rares is, well, let me rewind a little bit. One thing about me, how I grew up, you know, I grew up in a community with financial literacy and financial education wasn't a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom put, put her money in the mattress because she didn't trust the banks, right? Um, so really changing the, the way people look at banking and, and wealth creation is really the core of why I believe in this company so much, why I believe mm-hmm. in Rare so much. You know, sneakers are an asset class, as Lorraine mentioned. Actually, Forbes just said sneakers are the fastest growing, fastest performing asset class. Most people don't look at it that way. They just look at it as shoes. But when we talk about collectible sneakers, like I mentioned at the top of the show, they're outperforming the S&P 500. You know, we we do our, we do a lot of data with our company, and we have collected over five million data points around purchases over the last 12 years. And if you bought the right pair of Air Jordans, you had a 98% return on your investment. Um, over the past 12 years. And most people don't look at it like that. You know, they just buy shoes, wear them, not even understanding that this shoe just doubled in price without you having to do anything. And there's a market for you to offload that sneaker to make that money too. So for us, it's about education. One, how do I make money off this asset, this new asset class? And the cool thing is it's an asset class that people that look like us are familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole adage of people invest in what they know. Well, yeah, well, shoot, you you know sneakers, you know Jordans. Now, now we've created a way for you to invest in it, to now make money off of it in a new and unique way that you never thought you could make money before. You know, as Laureen mentioned, art is a huge asset class, alternative asset class. And people have made billions over the years creating art exhibits and things of that nature, which they should have. But what we're asking people to do is, okay, change your vantage point, change the lens in which you look at these collectible sneakers. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the everyday run-of-the-mill sneaker, that you buy out of the store. We're talking about sneakers that are very collectible. As I mentioned, there's one of one or one of 10 um, that Nike has made, or they don't make these shoes anymore. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why the price has gone up so much, the value has gone up. Look at that as a piece of artwork as well. And then when you when you wonder why it's worth so much, if you look at it through the lens of art, it starts to make sense to you a little more. I tell people all the time, you wouldn't go inside the Louvre in Paris and question the value of the Mona Lisa because it's through the lens of artwork. Now, what we're asking you to now, you know, we, for example, the, the 1984 Nike Airship, most people don't know what that shoe is. It's the first shoe Michael Jordan wore his rookie year while they were actually manufacturing the Air Jordan 1. That shoe just auctioned mm-hmm. off for $1.5 million. Um, and we have, a, we have a pair of those shoes in our collection too. But you had to look at it through the lens. That was in 1984. That was the sneaker that started the whole lineage of Air Jordans. So you got to look at it like that. So all we're doing is allowing the unbanked, the underbanked, and anyone else who wants to invest in a new asset class, the ability now to do it without having to physically own the asset. We, we just created a, a, a marketplace around you, around it, to allow you to buy and trade shares in it the way mm-hmm. you would in any other traditional marketplace. Um, I and, wanna, and, yeah. I, I want to add, you know, it's a huge a huge industry. So $79 billion industry right now projected to grow to $126 billion um, in a few years. And as Jerome mentioned, so 10 years ago, if you bought one of these rare collectible sneakers, um, they would be worth, they would have outperformed in terms of return of investment. Uh, Apple 
you know, Apple the stock, which is a great stock. You know, he mentioned S&P 500 as well as gold. And so, you know, I think what he's doing is getting uh, people out of this mindset of being consumers. Yes, you can go buy a sneaker. We people of color buy sneakers, black people buy sneakers. There's a whole sneaker culture. I, by the way, I'm not a sneaker head, but I played basketball in high school. I had Air Jordans and all that, but, you know, but I understood immediately what he was doing because I actually took a tour of StockX. If people don't know what StockX is, it's basically a marketplace for people who want to, you know, buy and sell sneakers from each other. Um, second, it's called secondary market. So say I go buy, line up and get the Christian Dior, Nike sneaker. They only make a certain amount. I'm able to, you know, score a pair. Right now, people are doing things like creating AI bots where they go online and, you know, they can buy as soon as they hit the market, they can buy a couple pair. You know, people are doing all kinds of things. And again, black and brown people created the sneaker culture, but yet people who are profiting from it don't look like us. Most of them don't look like us. And Jerome is democratizing access to the secondary market by saying, you don't even have to own that physical sneaker, but you can own a share in that sneaker. And probably, you know, we don't know, it's not guaranteed, like any, like stocks is, you know, regulated by the SEC, we can't say it's going to go up, but it may go up. And that's what you're buying. And you're going to buy that sneaker share for $15. You hold on to it, buy it, forget about it. You know, fast forward a couple of years from now, could be worth more. And so that's, so he's bringing what Rares is doing is create this asset class, but also educating, you know, people about wealth creation. And so that's like, immediately I got it. And I was like, this is really powerful. And, um, you know, what he's doing is so important. What Rares is doing so important. And once again, you know, this is an opportunity for people of color to be able to create wealth. You know, we created the culture of sneakers um, and, you know, other people are profiting from it. And that's, no, go ahead, Jerome. I was going to say, yeah, we're not telling people not to go actually physically buy sneakers anymore because I'm going to continue to buy sneakers to add to my sneaker collection. But what we're saying is if you want an opportunity to take advantage of the secondary value, secondary appreciation or the secondary market appreciation of sneakers, we provided an easy way to do that. It's basically like like Starbucks. You can go into Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee, right? But if you want to take advantage of Starbucks as a whole and the whole coffee industry, you'd invest in the Starbucks stock, basically. And that's what we're allowing you to do with rares, like take advantage of the whole sneaker industry and the whole value of the sneaker industry, invest in a sneaker on rares, and you, we allow you to do that type thing. I mean, Nike stock went up 500% over the past 10 years. And that's not by accident. It's because of the sneaker industry, the, the secondary sneaker industry driving this. So what we're saying is for the, the, the cultures and communities that I come from that made the sneaker industry popular, that created that 500% increase, we're now saying, okay, we created a way for you to come in the secondary market the, the, where corporate America has been making money like Nike and mm -hmm. participate in the appreciation aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you buy a sneaker for $100 right immediately on the secondary market, that sneaker can go up to $1,000. But most people don't have access to that. So what we're saying is we'll buy the sneaker and allow you to invest in it at $100. And then when it goes up to $1,000, presumably, you just made money off it without ever having to physically own that shoe. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the gist of how we, what, what we believe in rares and what we do. Yep. This this is this is amazing, you guys, because like you guys mentioned in our community, shoes, because you hit on it earlier, Jerome, it wasn't about the shoe. Yeah. Like, yeah, 
my mom's on drugs. Yep. My my school is downtrodden. The yep. supermarket's selling me toxic food. Yep. I don't own my home. These shoes yep. is is everything to me. Yep. They're they I'm I'm important because yep. I have these shoes. So in sometime I've had a love hate relationship with our shoe culture, just to be honest, because mm -hmm. I'm looking sometimes I'm looking at kids who come from a particular, a particular environment who don't have resources, who yep. may not have the proper things to eat. Yep. But they got a pair of Jordans on their on their feet. You know what I mean? But yep. I understand our history. I understand how broken we are. I understand how we're just so bereft of love at times. We're we're grabbing at anything to replace that. So I yep. get that. So that's why this is so beautiful to me because now, like this, you can they're on the stock market. So you can the same shoe you were probably gonna try to save up and find somewhere. Now you can just invest with you guys, right? Invest, yes, for little as for little as five dollars a share. You can own a piece of one of these shoes that I mean, in our collection, we have shoes out of five hundred thousand dollars, you know, one of a kind game worn Michael Jordan. You know, we so as little five dollars a share, you can own in the, a piece of that appreciation. So obviously you can invest way more than that, too. Mm -hmm. But we make it affordable to participate. Like Lorene said, it's a regentrification of the culture. Like, hey, you created this marketplace. You created the value and the popularity. Now come back in and participate on the secondary value that you've been locked out of for so many years. And the mm -hmm. cool thing is corporate America is now recognizing sneaker as a new asset class. And it's actually, as I mentioned, Forbes magazine said it's the fastest growing new asset class. So that lets you know that this isn't just something that we conjured up in our head. It's, it's starting to be recognized by corporate America, you know, and we've been on CNN, we've been on every major news outlet um, talking about this and the, the market is, is actually supporting it too. So this is something that, as I mentioned, that's regulated by the same governing body that regulates the stock market too. So this is a safe investment. Well, as safe as any investment, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's it's a new market, new, new asset class that people can invest in. I would also add, you know, the fact that, you know, Rares actually bought the Yeezy sneaker from Sotheby's. So Sotheby's, for people who don't know, it's a big auction house. So um, most people, most of the things that they sell is artwork. So, you know, think of Picassos and, you know, major pieces of art that are very expensive. And so the fact that Sotheby's is now in this market of sneakers says a lot because typically, um, they auction off artwork and other kind of rare, like in the art world. world. Yeah. Uh, but now they actually see this as a market. They, they're embraced uh, this. There was also a hip hop. They did a, um, there was someone who had a collection. I'm forgetting who it was, but this was the summer who auctioned off, you know, just photos and just all stuff around the hip hop culture. So they actually see that this whole hip hop sneaker culture, again, what we created has value because they wouldn't i mean they wouldn't auction the stuff off that's how they make money and they know that there's a market and you know sure enough you know um you know the the yeezy sneaker uh that rears acquired was auctioned off by sotheby's um and there's a cool video that rears has that jerome has he's featured when he's buying the sneaker it's really really dope um you know he goes he's like it's not every day i buy a 1.8 million dollar sneaker and then He's like walking with guards and they show him the sneaker. Yeah. He puts on the white gloves and he looks at the sneaker and it's just, yeah. it's just really cool, you know? Um, and it is, these are, these are like one of a kind or not many of them. And they are, there are work of art, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's rares is literally the convergence of wall street and street culture. It's literally that smack together 
in the in a one of a kind marketplace. You know, eventually it was going to happen. You know, we just created the first way to do it around sneakers, basically. You know, Wall Street values it a certain way. As, as Laurie mentioned, Sotheby's has been around since the 1700s, valuing and auctioning off art. And for them to hop into the sneaker game and street culture game in terms of, you know, I think they partnered with uh, ASAP Ferg to do a, a collaboration. Yeah. So you know that there's value there. There's a lot of value there, especially around these one-off collectible sneakers. And, uh, you know, that's what we purchased the sneaker from. And you know we'll do a lot more activations with Sotheby's because they realize what we're creating. And the cool thing is, the culture. Our tagline is "Invest in the culture" because that's what it is. It's the culture. But companies like that can't buy culture. They can't fake. You know they they can't. We can't. We came. All of us came from the culture. Everyone in, in my company, to some degree, grew. Even even my you know my white co-founder grew up in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So he was mm -hmm. in it too. He may not have recognized it, but he was in it. Mm -hmm. So. Companies like that understand that we are a genuine company. We're genuine in what we do. We're genuine in what we say. And we're genuine in what, what our thesis is or our mission is in terms of bringing culture back to the community and allowing them to own a piece of it for the first time. You know, Jay-Z talks about it with artwork in his one of his last albums. You know, and, and all we're saying is sneakers are art, too. Now you can invest in it the same way you would a Picasso. Um, so, you know, we just made it easy for you. Easier mm -hmm. for you, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, either one of you can answer this question because something else I'm seeing here that's extremely important to me. It's why is it so important that we make sure we reap the benefits of the things that we make popular in pop culture? Right. Because when we look at hip hop, when we look at just really what's considered cool in America to a degree, we kind of spearhead that. Right. But a lot of times there's someone else at the end of it making all the money from it. So how is important, why is it so important for us to continue doing things like this so we can put ourselves in a position to reap the benefits and create generational wealth for our family based on our ideas, you know what I mean? Well, I'll take that first crack. Okay. Um, Harrison, I think you you hit it right on the head, what you just said, is generational wealth. You know, in the rap game, they're, they're preaching it big time, owning your own masters, mm -hmm. right? That's the big thing now. Like, if you don't own your masters, you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. They're also talking about owning the owning the neighborhood. Go back to the neighborhood and buy up the real estate. You know, mm -hmm. you're the ones that made that that real estate what it is. Go buy it. And it's the same thing for the sneaker culture. We all made this culture. Now we're creating a way for you to own a piece of it that creates wealth that you wouldn't otherwise have had. And so it hits right on the head. It's just another avenue to create generational wealth that you didn't have before. For us, it's all about access and opportunity. Before mm -hmm. you didn't have access to participate in the secondary value appreciation of these sneakers. Now you do. And we created an easy, easy one-click marketplace. You come on, come on our site, come on our marketplace, you like a sneaker, invest in it, basically. So we made it easy to, to create that generational wealth through a new asset class that you're familiar with, though. So I think you hit it right on the head. It's just because now we realize all these other cultures and communities have been creating this type of wealth throughout their family lineage for so long, and we haven't had that opportunity or that access to the opportunity. Now we do, and we just got to take advantage of it. Yeah, I would add, you know, exactly what Jerome said. Um, I'm going to throw out a stat for you. Uh, so the average net worth of a Black family in America is $17,000. The average net worth of a white family in America is 10 times that, $171,000. Why is that? I mean, we can go on, I think we know systemic mm -hmm. racism, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. 
we are creative. We have created, you said this, Harrison, a lot of the trends that are happening, the cultural things that are cool in America, you know, hip hop, rap, sneakers, you know, they originated from us, but yet we're not the ones who are benefiting from that. And so this is a way of allowing us to benefit from, from this. And so that's why this is so important. And that's why what Jerome and, and Rares is doing is so important. And so, you know, we have to create this generational wealth for our people and no one's going to do this for us. We yeah. have to do this. We're one of the biggest consumers, but yet, yeah. you know, the dollar, when we get a dollar, it's, it's it leaves our community immediately. Whereas other communities it's turned over four or five, six times before it leaves our community. And yep. it's not, listen, it, it's set up so that it's that way, you know, when I mentioned back to, there aren't that many businesses that get VC dollars, even businesses that are, you know, in the communities, it's hard for them to get loans, you know, so it's not like we, we have people who want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't have access to capital. They don't have the network. And so it's a lot harder for them. And so it's set up that way. And so it's hard. Um, but this is a way for you as little as $5 buy it instead of, you know, I don't know, buying something else, buy $5, accumulate it. Um, there's something in investing called dollar cost averaging. So you have it set up regularly where you buy a stock or you buy, make an investment, regardless of the price goes up or down. You can never kind of beat the market or predict the price. But if you consistently are investing over and over again, you know, over the long term, and this is in stocks, but I guess this could be applicable to this. Again, we're not making any guarantees, mm -hmm. but you got to kind of be in it um, and, and look at it long term. And so, you know, we as Blacks, you know, I mean, we have Blacks that invest in stocks, but a lot of us don't. And so, you know, again, that's what this is so all about is like creating this generational wealth or creating wealth for our communities off of things that we created. It's not like, you know, someone else created it and we're trying to get a piece of it. Like we created it. And so why shouldn't we be benefiting and profiting from that? And definitely, one, definitely. One important thing to note is, the shares that we offer in sneakers are literally real securities. Like they're not just fake shares. These are real securities secured by the SEC. So for a lot of people, this is the first time they've ever invested in a security. And we just allow them to do it in, in an asset class, as, as I've said again, that they're familiar with. So if your first time investing can be in a sneaker, that's a good thing. And then, you know, what on, on rares, if you come on the platform, our big thing about us is educating. So we want this to be your first investment. Well, we're educating you on to bigger and better investments later on, too. But why not make your first investment, like real security investment in a sneaker? That's going to most likely get you a big return, a bigger return than investing in, in Apple or, or gold or the S&P 500. Um, so that, that's what it's all about. But wealth creation. Yep. Got you. Got you. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Um, my children and a lot of the young men around me really love tennis shoes i haven't been that big of a sneaker head um in my life but i've seen this as an opportunity because i say you know what i'm gonna make sure they watch this interview i'm gonna make sure they be aware of this because taking what you love to do and taking something you're passionate about something that you like if you can in turn make money off of that that's yeah. always everybody's dream in this country and like and like we've all been saying what we've done culturally when it comes to sneakers and how we value things we should definitely be a part of that. So I was, you know, I'm completely happy to have you guys on the show today. I appreciate your input. Now, Jerome, tell everybody 
how can they be a part of this? Where can they go right now if they want to invest in one of these sneakers? Absolutely. So you can download the Rares app in the iOS or Android store. It's okay. just Rares app, R-A-R-E-S app. Um, or you can go to Rares.io, R-A-R-E-S.io. And like I said, we've created a marketplace. You can go on and search for the shoes you want to invest in and you decide how much you want to invest. And, you know, we make it easy for you. So Rares.io or go find Rares app in the app stores. Got it. Got it. Now, um, Laurie, one last thing I wanted to ask you. Why do you think, because he mentioned he was refused 87 times mm -hmm. by people outside of our community. Mm -hmm. So why is it so important that people of color, black people, become venture capital, put themselves in a position where they can help a brother like this? Well, for that reason, you know, um, he's going to people in Silicon Valley who don't know about sneaker culture. And, you know, they're just like, this is not going to do well. You know, again, I'm not a sneakerhead, but I understand sneaker culture. My brother's connected to sneakers. I have friends that collect sneakers. I, you know, own a few, um, but I knew how big this market was. And so that's why we need people like me who are in venture capital. And I want to just plug my fund for a minute, Portfolio Rising America. You know, also, not only uh, we need people like me, but for me to be existing, I need to have people investing in the fund. And so, you know, um, and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're raising this fund. Um, and so I would say to, uh, you know, your listeners, if you're interested in venture capital as another kind of asset class, venture is another private equity, um, which has grown substantially, um, you know, we go out and find great companies <clears throat> like Jerome's company, um, and we make those investments, we will do all the legwork to, you know, make sure these are great companies. Uh, but, you know, we need all of that. So we have to like across every uh, every aspect. So supporting the venture capitals that look like me, supporting businesses that Jerome have. You may not be able to invest in Jerome's company, but you can go out and use rares and, you know, use his product and service, promote it. Even if you don't have money or say you're not at that point where you can invest, um, but, you know, promote what we're doing. Um, it's, it's really important. It's going to take all of us to really changes and, you know, other groups of people support each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so we need to do, again, back to that, a dollar in our community, as soon as we get it, it's, it leaves our community right away. We have to support each other. Um, and so what I'm doing, you know, what Jerome's doing with other um, entrepreneurs, with other funds, you know, it's really important. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. Well, I want to thank you guys again for being on the show. Everybody who listens to my show, we talk about everything that goes on in our community, but generational wealth is one of the biggest issues that we deal with. A lot of the racism, a lot of the systematic issues that we deal with comes from finances. And, and we've been locked out of things for so long that some of us aren't sure how to invest. Some of us aren't you know, we we live in a struggle mentality. We're investing your money or 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 put even like Jerome said, his mom put money under the bed like we didn't. We come from a very non trusting lineage. Rightfully so, oh, though. Right. Right. I mean, it's we, we, there's a reason for it, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yep, we got to yep. get out of that. We have to get out of that mindset and just, yes. you know, I think, you know, I understand that, of course, um, but we've got to break those shackles, those mental shackles that we have. Definitely, definitely. And rares and, and initiatives like that is definitely going in the right direction. So I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Melanated Combo podcast. Please do me a favor. Like I said, like the video, share the video, share this with your mama, share this with your friends. All of us need to be aware of these type of things that are going on in the community. 
Again, this is your boy Harrison. This has been another episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. We out.